I believe that I've been given something that not a lot of people have. But there's a reason why I've been given that. And I think that I've found my place here in this world to be able to give that out to as many people as possible. I'm exactly where I need to be. I wake up every day with a smile on my face, ready to get going to change a lot of people's lives. There's no greater feeling to me than winning a championship and winning it with people that I know, love, and support me. I'm just excited to see who comes to my doors and gets to experience all of this. How much can you really give your people? Let's see how you do. The voice you just heard is the incredible young leader, Ben Lee. In high school, Ben was a leader on two California state championship teams in football. In 2019, he started selling Cutco. Vector Marketing recruited over 40,000 people that year, and Ben Lee sold more than all of them. Before the summer of 2020, over 100 dynamic and successful individuals were promoted to the position of district manager. And when the year was over, Ben stood as the Silver Cup champion in the new district manager league. This is a guy with a passion for excellence, the desire to do what it takes, and the ability to inspire others to join him in his mission. This is one of the finest young leaders you might ever have the opportunity to learn from. I'm very proud to introduce Cutco Vector's Ventura County District Manager, Ben Lee. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm fired up for today's conversation because we have the number one new district manager in all of the Cutco Vector Marketing Organization with us here today. And I have the great fortune of working with him in the company's Western region. I'm with Ben Lee today. Ben started working in Cutco and Vector in June of 2019. So literally just a year and a half ago, between June and December of 2019, Ben personally sold $84,745 of Cutco. That placed him as the number one sales rep of all reps trained in the company during the calendar year of 2019 with an amazing performance. He went straight from rep to district manager within one year, starting his district team in Ventura County, California in April of 2020 and in the new district manager league which is an eight-month competition from may through december 
Ben and his team sold $781,000 at Cutco, taking home the Silver Cup as the number one new DM team in the company for 2020. I'm fired up to have you here, Ben. Welcome to the podcast. I appreciate the welcome, Dan. I've been waiting, uh, waiting for this day about, for about a year. And I've uh, been really excited since uh, the day you promised me if I went and got that Silver Cup that you would uh, you'd allow me to have this. So I appreciate you having me on today. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, this is going to be really fun. Listen, you're a new guy in the company. We haven't had any live events this year. Most people throughout Vector and Cutco don't know you yet. And I'd love for them to get a little insight into who you are. And so why don't you take us back and just share a little bit about your background, first of all? Of course, of course. So, uh, you know, me growing up till the ages of from about, you know, six years old till I was about 18 years old, it was football, it was school and repeat. And that was me for a very long time. I, I really believe a lot of who I am today is a lot of from the lessons that I've learned throughout playing football in my years. And I had dreams and aspirations since I was a little kid of going and playing Division One college football. But that just that wasn't something that was uh, realistic because you know my last name's Lee, so I only unfortunately I only grew to about six feet tall, and that's that's about it for me. So I had to uh, had to put my my heart and passion into into something else, and and uh, you know I, I came to that realization when I was about graduating high school, and then. You know, all of a sudden, I just kind of had to look for new opportunities, and so I was really just a football player and and getting my stuff done and kind of on the path of of who my parents wanted me to be. I wasn't really sure, not really sure where where life was headed at the time, but uh, you know, I, I knew my parents had an idea of what I wanted to, what they wanted me to become, and and uh, yeah, I'm just I was looking for that at the time. And were you born and raised in Ventura County? Uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Agora Hills. It's there's this is like half of the Gore Hills is considered Ventura County, half is considered the Valley. So it's like this weird kind of split. But yeah, it, generally in the area of Ventura County, correct. Cool. And so what got you into selling Cutco? Well, in high school, uh, when I was playing football, I had a, um, an older brother figure of mine. He was uh, a junior when I was a freshman, a senior when I was a sophomore. And, and uh, he, this is a guy who lived with me for quite a while, me and my dad. And he went on to play football at UC Davis. And, and when I graduated high school, a lot of my friends and people, they just kind of knew what, what spot I was in. They knew how badly I wanted to play D1 football and that didn't happen. So, you know, I had a lot of people supporting me outside of high school. And, and this guy gave me a call one day and he was just like, Hey, I got a cool job opportunity for you. Uh, selling knives. I think you should go check it out. I thought he was joking. I thought he was joking. <laughs> I didn't think he was being honest. I, I thought he was like trying to get me to do some weird thing. And I was like, you just say sell knives? Uh, like I'm, an, I'm a nose guard. I, I hit quarterbacks. Like I don't, I don't sell knives. And he goes, trust me, man. It's a really cool opportunity. I think you should go check it out. And you know, that's, that's ended up how I ended up in the Northridge office. So uh, who was this? Uh, Nico Harris. Nico Harris. He actually worked in the Elk Grove office. Uh, Kendall Coleman from up north actually was the person who set me for my uh, for my interview. I think under uh, I think his his district manager's name was Vanessa. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Vanessa was the division office manager in the uh, pilot office there, and Kendall was an assistant manager in the office. And so, uh, an assistant manager from Sacramento set you up for the interview in Northridge with Ryan Williams. Yeah, which is which is actually weird because there's a, there was a TO branch at the time, and I lived right down the street. But somehow I got put in the uh, the Northridge office, and I ended up going there. So well, I uh, worked out pretty good, I think. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect story. Yeah, what what were some of the most memorable experiences from your first summer selling? 
Uh, well, you know, kind of diving into selling knives is not something where I, I had a whole lot of confidence. Uh, first, I hadn't sold much. Secondly, uh, my my dad is someone who doesn't say a whole lot every day, and I kind of took a lot after my dad. So having to communicate a lot and talk a lot with people and work with people was something that I thought I was going to you know struggle with a lot. And so I wasn't really too sure what to expect. But you know, I, I went into it. My first ten days in the job, I sold sixteen thousand dollars of Cutco after telling myself I wasn't going to be any good at this. Uh, but I ended up doing that. And then my manager was telling me how good that was and how I set the record for the LA division. And when I kind of started to take a step back and I was like, you know, can I be good at something else except for football? Like, I kind of had a really bad self-image of who I was before I started. And going and having a 16K fast start really helped that, that process. I then, a couple weeks later, had our SC1 push period of that year. And I went out and sold about $11,500 of the Cutco. Uh, but I lost. I, uh, I all those people in the room, I got second place. And my, my high school quote was, I, well, I hate losing more than I love to win. And that was, I was furious. I'm on stage in front of all these people and I'm, I was pissed. I couldn't believe, I'll never forget Cole Gonzalez from Newport Beach uh, beat me by like $500. And that, that drove me to working harder at something that I've never worked before in my life. And that was SC2. I and mean, I, I pretty much, I prepared for a couple of weeks and went to my manager. I was like, hey, you know, what do I got to do to get better? Because I'm not going to lose again. That's not going to happen. And um, he pretty much told me everything I wasn't very good at. And I worked on it for the next about month, month and a half or so. And, uh, I went out and I sold about $26,000 with Cutco uh, and the SE2 push period really, really, really showed me um, a lot about who I was and a lot about the fact that I was wrong about who I was before I started here. And I got promoted to assistant manager, sold about $58,000 with Cutco at the end of my first summer. I was number two representative. I had a Isaiah Coles came back and sold $17,000 in the last week of summer to come back and beat me. Uh, and that was uh, that hurt. So I had to finish out the year really strong because uh, you know that was that was a tough one. But you know those are my some of my top experiences, and then just learning more about about myself really is what I remember about my my time selling. I love how you've used competition to drive you. Uh, is that something that you feel you developed through playing football for all those years, or was that just something you always had? Uh, yeah, in high school, I, I actually went to three state championships. I won two of them. I lost one of them. Um, I'm someone who fortunately has a track record of being able to win quite a bit. I've always surrounded myself with really competitive people who all share the same common goal that I have. And when you surround yourself with a bunch of people like that, you can't help but, uh, but find success. Yeah. You said something about, I was wrong about who I was. You learned that you were wrong about who you were after having these successes. Uh, can you explain that? Yeah, in high school and playing football, uh, you know, I was kind of average in school. I got a three point five, you know, average grades. I wasn't anything too special at that. I, I, uh, you know, when I, when I played football, I struggled finding something that I really enjoyed for a while. And and uh, playing football was always something that <laughs> I could always genuinely say I loved to do. And you know, because I loved to do it, I, I found a place, an area to be good at playing football. And I, I was always recognized. And when people thought of me, they thought of football. And they thought about all the things that I've accomplished on the field, and so when uh, when that dream of mine, you know, was crushed in a sense, I, I was put in a spot where uh, I had a lot of self doubt, and I was like, "Wow!" The, I had this mindset of, uh, you know, you are you had this dream and you couldn't accomplish it. What else are you going to be good at? You just lost the one thing that you could have been good at, and so you know, I was kind of in that spot, and it just it was really really tough. It was a really bad point in my life um, when uh, when that had happened, and so that's what I mean by just kind of changing that self image. Was you know, it, it took a lot of hard work to get out of that, but it happened. So. so you defined yourself as a football player up until age eighteen, and then you know it became evident that your football career was not going to move past high school stage 
and that was difficult for you to 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 sort of uh, come to terms with, and it affected your your view of yourself, and you didn't you didn't have a new thing to see yourself as being successful at. But then Vector came along, and you crushed it here, and it gave you that you know new place to see yourself as being great. Exactly, exactly. And I think you know another big part of that is I, when I was 16 years old as a sophomore in high school, I, I went up to my parents, my mom, and my dad, and I looked in the face and I said, "With where I'm at, it's in my high school and playing football. I, I'm going to find a way to pin my way through school." You're not you guys. I'm going to promise you guys right now. I'm going to find a way to do it, and I don't want you guys to have to lift a finger for me in my college education. Um, and I'm going to do what I can to make that happen. And a big source of why that thought started to come into my mind was because of the fact that I wasn't able to make the one thing I really wanted to do happen. And so, um, because of that, that was what kind of altered my mind to causing me to think that way. And then think, yeah, think think a lot of things that uh, Vector came into my life at that time. Yeah, awesome. What, what do you feel like was the biggest lesson you learned during that first summer? You know, the biggest lesson is uh, you are who you see yourself to be. I truly believe that that was uh, it's one of the biggest things I learned here in Vector is, is uh, you can think yourself into, into who you want to be. And I think that the only thing that holds you back from doing anything you want to do in life, no matter how big or how small the goal is, I think that yourself is, is the biggest thing that holds you back. And I, I think that the only reason why I held myself back from doing a lot of whatever else I wanted to do uh, was just because the way that I thought about myself. And I, you know, I, I learned a very big lesson that year of uh, you know, the only thing that held me back from anything was what was going on in here. So yeah, insightful. You know, I, I'm reminded of a podcast episode I had with uh, an organizational psychologist named Dr. Benjamin Hardy, where we talked about the evolution of personality. And um, you know, his whole insight is that most people feel like their personality is fixed and that what they do is based on that fixed personality and people limit themselves to goals or activities that, that fit in with who they have been in the past. And on the contrary, what he states is that our personality can evolve and we should, we should use our goals, our aspirations, and who we want to become to help us evolve into the kind of person who we can be. And uh, it's cool that uh, you began seeing that and, you know, have always set such massive goals and everything that you've done, including here in Vector. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, I knew that there was a time in my life that I needed to change. And just because I wasn't where yet I wanted to be, my, and I promised my parents that I, did, I knew that wasn't over yet. I knew I just needed to find it somewhere else. So I definitely agree with, with what you just said. Yeah. Well, listen, you sold more than any other rep trained in the company in 2019. I don't have the number in front of me, but it's tens of thousands, literally tens of thousands of people trained throughout Vector in 2019. You sold more than any of them. $84,745 starting June 8th through the end of December. So really in just uh, you know seven months or so, what do you think set you apart as such a great sales rep? That's a great question, and I, I think that you, uh, after kind of sharing a little about my story, you know, one of the things that you know when I hear this question, well, the first thing that comes to mind is what, something my coaches used to tell me in the locker room before a football game was, uh, you know, we we never were the biggest team, or the fastest team, the strongest team, uh, but reason we always won uh, was because we always wanted it more than the other people on the other side of the ball, mm. and. That was kind of what I believe is the reason what set me apart from a lot of other representatives was I wanted it more than a lot of other people, meaning that I had things that I needed to accomplish in my life. And I, I turned it into, this isn't necessarily my goal. This is what's going to happen. I just need to figure out how to do it because it's possible. Because I've seen 
many people. I've heard tons of names of people who've gone out and done amazing things in this company. There's no reason why I can't be one of those people. I just have to figure out how to do it and I have to talk to who I have to talk to to find that answer. So I think, you know, one of the biggest things was I was someone who was also very genuine and passionate with my customers. My customers were part of the same mission that I was part of. And I was able to authentically share that through the help of my district manager and, you know, the people in my office. I, I think I, a combination of because I told you that I wasn't going to be good at anything else except for football in the beginning, I knew the one thing that I had was working hard. Right. In football, I knew I was never going to be the biggest. So therefore I had to become the strongest. I set records in the, in the weight room at my, at my high school. And so in this, I knew if I just worked hard and combined everything my manager told me to do, success had to come somewhere. And that was exactly what happened. Hmm. The comment about genuine passion with your customers, I think that's critical for anybody that wants to succeed in any type of selling. You have to enroll others in what it is that you're doing and get, you know, garner people's support. And I don't think people buy just for you, but I think when you can give them that extra reason to buy, it makes a big difference. It takes people past times of hesitation. It just, it gives them that extra nudge. Uh, to take action and 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 uh, a lot of times in a big way, I think that's positive. You described wanting it more, Ben. Now you've you've worked with reps and you've led people. How come everybody doesn't want to be a, as successful as you have? Uh, this is something that I actually talk to my team, you know, a lot about, and I I think that you know a lot of I talk about my past. I I know what it's like to be the best, of the best to be the number one, and there's no greater feeling to me. Than winning a championship and winning it with people that that I know love and support me, um, and I think that when it talks about you know, I think the reason for why I do things on this planet, I think that my this is also just part of how I was raised. I think my father and my mother did a great job of raising me and, and giving me a good perception of life and the way to attack everything that that comes my way. And if my parents had asked me this question, I would have just told them that you raised me no other way than to do exactly what I've been doing and to approach you know things with nothing but my absolute best because. If you look at my my dad's track record and my mom's track record, they sacrificed a lot for me, and I owe nothing to them but to give them everything that I am about uh, to be able to make my promises come true to them. So mm. I think that uh, that right there is something that a lot of people have, but I feel like there's just certain people that just don't understand it quite like the way that, that I do. I mean, people have their different situations and they look at things differently. I think I just have a really deep passion for wanting to make my promises come true. So if everybody could just know what it was like to be the best, to be number one at something, to truly excel at something, they would be more motivated to continue on that path and repeat that in other areas of their life. Exactly. Have something to fight for. Yeah. It just gets me thinking about how can we get people to feel that before they've done it. There's different, you know, we're at the start of a new year. There's different, there's different exercises I've done with sales reps over the years where I try to get them to, to uh, craft what I call vision statements, which are present tense, first-person statements about uh, you know, what they are feeling and what they have accomplished viewed from in the future, looking back. So it'd be like right now, you and I you know, would, would be bantering about, hey, it's, you know, instead of being that it's January of uh, you know, 2020, 2021 right now, we'd be talking about it's January of 2022. 
right? How are you feeling about 2021 and what you did? And you'd be talking about, you know, having sold a million bucks and won a silver cup again and this and that, all these things you've done and you're feeling the feeling of it. You try to write these statements that are as descriptive as you can make them about what you just did. As you, again, as you're looking from the future back in, you know, into the year we're in right now, I've always tried to get people to do this. It's a version of visualization, which I think uh, can really help people to, to get that feeling. There's a, there's a saying that the mind cannot tell the difference between a real experience and one that is visually imagined in detail. And if people can learn to envision what they want and get that feeling, it, it creates a little piece of that motivation. I don't know if you have any other things that you try to do with your reps that you try to get people to to do to sort of capture that feeling and know what it's gonna be like. But uh, you know, what, what comes to your mind? Uh, you, you know, what comes to my mind there is, uh, you know, first things first. I think that a lot of people have different things that mean a lot to them. I think people, I think there are there are things in life and goals and accomplishments that mean just as good as maybe another accomplishment to somebody else, right? And I think everyone has their different level of how they feel about certain accomplishments. And I think that one of the things that I do a lot with my representatives is I, I, I try to find that. I try to find like, hey, what, what means a lot to this person? What is, what is their true sense of purpose and passion for, what, for the things that they do? And it doesn't matter how big or small that is. I, I think helping them get after that and show them that it's possible. And I think one of the biggest things in me and what helped me get out of where I was at was that not necessarily that's going to happen, but it's possible if you want it bad enough. And that's one of the things I share with my, my representatives. And, and I also, it's a combination of showing them that it's possible with what they want to do and also pouring my heart out to them. I think that all my representatives feel how much I, I really care about, about them, how much I'm, I'm here for them, how much I love on them. And I, I think they, they understand that, that I want this, I want their success just as bad as they want their own. And I, I think that's something that is very powerful and something that can go a long way, even if I'm not good at, you know, things like PCs, interviews, training, right? But if, as long as I'm pouring my heart out and I'm helping them get on track and have clarity uh, with what it is that they want to do, no matter how big or small it may be, and being a part of that journey with support and love, I think the opportunities are endless for anybody. Yeah. I like what you said about showing other people what's possible. We can certainly come back to that when we talk about some of your success factors as a leader here this year. And what I also got from what you just said is that for everybody, it's important to decide what is meaningful to you, right? Decide what's going to be most meaningful to you in the year ahead. Craft some vision statements or visualizations about having actually harvested those things and gotten those things this year and use that to derive some motivation. Because for, for some people, you know, being number one at what they're doing is not necessarily meaningful. There are people that have so many plates spinning that being number one at any one thing may not be in the cards for them. But achieving a certain level of success is something that I think everybody looks at. They, what level of success do I want to achieve? What results do I want to produce? Right? What experiences do I want to have? And, and knowing what's meaningful to you in the year ahead is a good key to being able to, to get what you want. So, Ben, you went straight from rep to district manager. What made you decide to do, uh, to take that uh, quick route up the vector ladder? Uh, yeah, well, it's funny that you asked me this question and because the first thing that comes to mind is you gave a talk. I think it might have been at either COC um, or a summer conference. And what got me thinking about it was you gave a talk about aligning what you do with your core and your inner values and what means a lot to you. And after this talk, I went home 
after a conference. And, and I remember sitting down and, and genuinely thinking to myself, you know, what do I love to do outside of work, outside of, you know, specifics, whether what, you know, a lot of business or whatever it may be, what is it that I love to do? And I, I, I know that, that I love to bring smiles to people's faces. I, one of the things I didn't mention in this whole process to me till now is I'm also a DJ. Right? I love music. I love bringing smiles to people's faces. And I love seeing people have a good time and enjoying themselves. And when you mentioned lining, lining up what you do with your core values, I, I couldn't help but just think that I've always been that person that loves to help bring smiles to other people's faces. Right. And I, and I also think back to the way that, I, again, I was raised and the way that I was brought up. And, and, uh, I've just, I've always seemed to be that guy who, who loves to reach out a helping hand. If any, if someone's crying, like, I don't, even if I know them or not, I'm going to go up to them and see what's going on. And I've, I've always just been someone who wants to offer more of what I have, what I've been fortunate to have been given to me, give that back to other people who maybe aren't as fortunate. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's what I'm all about. And so when you look at the DM opportunity, uh, as a combination of, of that. And then also, I, I can't help but but mention the story of I think I've told you this before is uh, Doghouse with Kevin Donahue, my division manager. We were sitting at, at a Doghouse, and uh, he was telling me we were discussing whether I wanted to go DM, I wanted to go CSP, and he he started writing out all these, started describing these visions and where the division's going, and and then he started to write all these boxes of pillars of the LA Showtime division, and he started writing the names. Of all the district managers that are in the division at the time, and it was probably like five or six names there on the paper. There was one box on the right side of the paper, all the way on the right. There was a box, and he never touched it. He never wrote anything in it for the whole 30, 45 minutes that we were sitting there having lunch. I kept thinking about it, even while I was eating. Like, why didn't he write anything in that box? And so he continues to tell me about the opportunity. And then he says, But I can totally see you. As becoming this last box as a pillar in the LA Showtime division, and he wrote my name in there. And from someone who's played a lot of football, anyone who's a high school athlete, you know that what you're trying to do is impress people who are recruiters. And the only thing that I ever heard in high school was, You're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not fast enough, you're not smart enough. I didn't hear any of that anymore. All I heard from Kevin Donahue and from everyone around me was, I believe in you, I have your back. You can totally do this. In fact, I think you could do great things and accomplish many other things in your life because of this opportunity. And all I got was love and support. And I looked at where I used to be to where I was now sitting in this doghouse, <laughs> sitting with one of the most amazing men I've ever met in my entire life. And he, he writes my name in this box, someone of Kevin Donahue's attire. And I'm just, how do you not dive into something like that with that much love and support and the combination of what you mentioned? And it just, it was kind of a no brainer. So if I didn't pick it, it was almost like what's going on in my own head. So, you know, that was kind of the thing. Those were a lot of the factors that went into that decision. What an awesome story. And what a great, great testament to the leadership of Kevin in your life and what he brought right there in that moment. Like that's very, very, very powerful. And it's a great lesson for any leader to think about how you can infuse the people in your organization with belief and confidence and expectation. Like that, that is so, so, so powerful. And when I think about this choice of, you know, that you, you described of, am I going to be a district manager or am I going to be a Cutco sales professional? There, there's a lot of value in people who choose the route of being what I would call an individual contributor in our company or in any company. 
there are a lot of things that come along with that in terms of the flexibility that somebody has. They're not answering to anybody really but themselves, which a lot of people really value that freedom. Whereas when you're a, a, you know, a leader, you have a lot of that, but you also have a pretty big responsibility to the people who are in your organization to, to follow through and to be there for them, you know? And so there are different values that come along with both of those things. And, and you viewed yourself as that person who could really impact other people through leadership. Right. And most people who would have your results that were so off the charts great in sales would feel like, well, I'm great at this sales. I might as well just stay in this route here as an individual contributor. But you saw that this path of leadership was more aligned with who you are. And, uh, and so I would even say that you took a risk in leaving that, you know, personal sales path that you were already so great at to do something else. And it's, uh, it's just cool to see how that unfolded. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I look back at my high school years, especially playing football, I, I was a team captain, and in my senior year, I kind of had started to get the idea that I wasn't going to go on and play divisional college football, and in a sense that that made me not want to play football anymore. And there was almost came a thought in my mind where I almost didn't maybe didn't play my senior year because of what was going on. But I, but the thing that actually helped me do it were my guys was my family that was on the field and the people that I just wanted to be able to give back to. And I always, I was the guy who was helping my teammates out. I was the, the kind of the big brother on the team. And, and, you know, I, I, uh, why not carry that into the business world? Cause it, it's amazing. Things can happen when you have that type of support. Yeah. Awesome. I think a lot of, uh, people in vector who are new, newer reps, maybe in their first year in the company can really relate to that feeling of being a team player and, and why, team aspect and leadership and those things are important to them and that uh, the uh, district manager path provides that opportunity for us in spades, which is really cool. So the plan for you was to get your office started in, you know, we usually open up our new district offices in May or maybe, you know, mid, late April. And then, you know, two months before that was going to happen, the shit hit the fan, you know, in, uh, in our country and with our company and, COVID-19 struck in earnest uh, in March, I guess you could say. And so all of our plans were sort of thrown into a, a bunch of uncertainty. What was your mindset at this point? Like, what were you thinking? Well, I was at a point where I was just trying to get in the learning curve of this whole management thing. I was trying to learn the interview and training and all these and recruiting. And, you know, it's funny too, because I just thought I figured out campus recruiting. And then this this had happened. So you know, I was, I was I was put in a spot where I was like, okay, wow, this is weird. I, uh, I'm not too sure why this is happening. But you know, around the time that this first happened, I remember you telling just the whole management staff that a story about Deanna Scortino and how when this whole thing broke out, she was the first one of the first people to ever give you a call and. No one knew what was going on. No one knew what was going to happen. But Deanna gave you a call and said, Hey, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But I do know that this, what's going on right now, I will make it the reason for why I have my best year ever or why I'm able to become the number one in the company. And I'm going to be talking about that at my speech at the end of the year. And I remember hearing that. Just, wow. Like that is... Imagine being that strong. Animal mindset. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine being able to take something like that. And I also combine that with one of the things I learned here in Vector is I also knew that I didn't know a lot about who I was. 
And I also knew that there was a challenge going on. And I also found uh, in my own life that a lot of people around me were starting to be affected by what was going on. But I had a, I had a night where I, I uh, you know, I was in my, it was in my apartment and I remember just sitting there thinking to myself, like, what if this is your time? What if this is going on for you instead of making it a negative thing? Like, Hey, well, like you're surrounded by a bunch of amazing people. Kevin Donahue, right? Dan Cassetta, right? I got my own district manager, Ryan Williams, and all the other managers in the LA division. I'm surrounded by a bunch of amazing people who are champions in life. I have a company who's done nothing but grow since 1981. Why would that change now? I could not be in a better spot other than what's actually going on in the world with COVID and the pandemic and everything. So I'm just going to believe in the people around me. I'm going to believe in my company. And most importantly, I'm going to believe in myself. That no matter what happens, I've been put in many situations up to this point where I'm not sure what's going to happen and ended up finding a way through. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into what was going on at the time. But I, I think a good reflection on, on who I was, what I had, and what was possible. I think that for what I wanted this year, of course, the pandemic was going to break out. Huh. Well, what, what an interesting way of viewing things that, you know, what if this is for me? What if this is happening for me? Uh, it's such a good mentality to think about when any challenge comes up because there's always an answer that's going to come out to that that could be empowering and that can help you move forward. The belief in people around you, I think that's it's great. You know, Thank you for saying that on behalf of myself and Kevin, Ryan Williams, and anybody else that was in your corner. We appreciate that. And the, and the, the shout out to Deanna. I can remember when Deanna said something like that, you know, back in the early days of the pandemic. And lo and behold, here we are, you know, in 2021. And she did finish up 2020 as the number one sales rep in the company and sold $865,000 in personal sales, which is pretty crazy to think about uh, when you put that in perspective. So, wow. What were the challenges that you encountered in trying to get this off the ground and, and build the business in the early days? Yeah, so I mean, I, I didn't really quite start getting into management, you know, actually like management tangible, like you know, the interview and the recruiting, you know. I didn't actually start getting into that till like late November, early December. Right. So just around the time when this had broke out, I had felt like I just started to get a grasp of in-person training, of in-person interviews, of in-person recruiting on campus. And I was I was so like, okay, I feel like I'm getting some good leeway. I think I'm getting a good start. I'm starting to get prepared. And then this happened, and I had to make this whole switch over, and it was a, it was a struggle for sure. Um, I did not have good internet. Uh, that was something that I never had, which why you know, I didn't do too many virtual in the first place. I also uh, so learning the management stuff when it came to the interview, when it came to training and all that. It was a huge switch, but at the same time, it just always seemed like Kevin knew what to tell me and knew what to do. So I just was like, hey, as a rep, I had no idea what was going on, but I took exactly what my manager told me. And I worked as hard as I could with my work ethic that I had, and it was a success. And I, I knew that Kevin and the whole company was stirring something up. And at some point, Kevin was like, just wait, I'm going to have some stuff. We're going to be able to find a way to do this. I'm like, okay. So he came to me with a bunch of, um, you know, Apex. We got this new whole Apex platform. We have uh, this new training that we're doing and these new slides and all this. And I was like, okay, well, give it to me and I'm just going to go work really hard and I'm going to I'm going to find a way to make this happen because as the owner of your business it's all up to me. So uh it was a combination of that was one of the struggles and also training representatives. Uh, I think that you know I, I had a lot of experience. Yes, I did a lot virtually, 
right? I did sell a lot of Kepco virtually, but we had this whole new demo. We had this whole new way of going about the selling. So that was one of the one of the challenges as well. Was hey, how do I figure out this demo first before I'm able to teach it? So I, I spent a lot of time myself going through the demo and going through that video. I watched probably ten to twenty times just to kind of get a good grasp on on this new demo and and where are certain areas that I needed to focus on. So in a sense, uh, one of the biggest challenges was making a new game plan for what was going on. I just needed to kind of make a new blueprint of what the year looked like and and how I was going to approach it. But you know. Once I had that game plan ready to go through the help of the people I had around me, it was, it was all set, good to go. Yeah. Well, you certainly adapted pretty quickly to everything and got off to a good start right out of the gate and then just kept on building momentum all the way uh, throughout the entire year and, and really finished strong as well uh, in the fall. You, so you ended up as the number one new DM in the company. And again, you know, this is something that uh, a large number of very highly talented people took on all across the company. You were competing against some really incredible individuals, and and you won. Number one, what do you feel like uh, some of the, your success factors as a leader? Yeah, so I, uh, I've thought a lot about this, and that's actually you know one of the things that, that Brandon Brown. I, I had a talk with Brandon Brown actually the night after I got the news winning, and I actually got to speak with him. And you know, one of the things he told me was. You know, are you reflecting on everything that you've learned from from 2020? And I was like, well, I, I'm starting to think of some things, but I haven't really done it all. He goes, make a list. And so I I, uh, I started. I took one night where I really just kind of thought about all the different things that I was able to learn from this year. And you know, one of the biggest things that stood out to me, what really got it going, I'm pretty sure when I think back on it, Austin Overbilling uh, gave a talk at was what was that management conference? SMC is that what it is? SMC. Yes. 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 Yeah, he he mentioned uh, he he said this line that I can still hear it, him saying it in my head was if your people know you have their back they'll go to war for you. I wasn't too sure how good I was at training or the interview or you know at PCs or anything like that, but I knew that from the combination of from football and from selling that I knew how to send the message to people that I cared about them and how much I genuinely appreciated who they were and so. One of the biggest success factors, I think, is me as a manager so far is, you know, whether I have a, you know, okay, training, interview, all that. I knew for sure that I knew how to let my people know that I had their back, right? We were in a pandemic. There were lots of things going on, right? Especially here in Southern California and LA, right? There was, there was riots going on and it was just, it was not a good time. But my people knew and understood that I had their back and they knew I loved them and they knew that I wanted their success just as much as they wanted their own. So I think that's one of the one of the biggest things that went into you know this year of of uh, just loving on my people no matter what was what was going on. So that was that was definitely one of the biggest uh, success factors as a leader. You know my work ethic and I think being a leader in general, leading by action. Right, I, I've never worked harder for something in my entire life than I did this last year. Right, working twelve to twelve to fifteen hour workdays is not something that um, was easy at first, but at the same time, I started to notice that it inspired my people. They started to notice how late I worked, how if they called me at you know eleven, twelve at night that I, I was going to pick up, right? And they were they were inspired by that, and I could I could see it. And so, and a lot of this also happened at team meetings, right? I think uh, that was a really big point in time where I always had my whole team together, and I was always able to give them them love and support, and especially with everything that was going on. I think this started to build this family like culture, and that was something that was a really big challenge to me getting into this whole thing was. I can totally know how to build culture in person when everyone's together, but how am I going to do that 
with 40 boxes on my screen, uh, two by two with people in it. And they can't turn to each other and start talking. So how am I going to do this? And, and I think me and my, my, my sales manager right now, who's he's like a childhood best friend of mine, we really made a game plan on how we're going to pour ourselves into our people and let them know how bad we want this. And, and I think not only did everyone come together as like, kind of like that family type culture, I think they all were bought into the same common goal. So I think we were all helping each other out to achieve one high goal as a team, but in turns help each other out with everything that we're all going after individually. Right? And I think being able to create the vision, let my people know that I love them and that I'm here for them in any way, shape, or form. I, I think that you know there was a point in time this summer where I had this representative who, who needed to write a letter to her father to get him to do this therapy or else she wasn't ever going to be able to see him again. Right, doing little things like that and showing them how much I genuinely care about them, not only in the business but outside, I think was one of the most powerful things that I was able to take away from this year. Was people will do amazing things if they know they're supported and loved, and I think that's just because that's what happened with me. So I think that was kind of the theme of this summer was, and even this year was, how much can you really give your people? Let's see how you do, and I think. That probably my number one biggest success factor as a leader this year. That's awesome to hear. You know, there are a variety of ways that this care for people is communicated. One of them is just simply time with people. One-on-one time, or like you said, answering the phone late at night, they know that you're devoted to them. Another way is interest, right? Asking people about themselves, getting to know them, really showing a genuine interest in people. And another one is value offering value to people. I think about you know a recent podcast episode I just had with Drew Frank where he talks about, am I bringing professional value, personal value, and financial value to all of my, my people in my organization? We were talking about him managing his managers in that context. But he's thinking about how can I bring value and be you know, helping people to develop. If, if you're doing those things as a leader, then you are truly communicating that care for people and it's that care that is what really gets people you know rallied uh, to follow you and to stay with you and to do the things you're asking them to do yeah I, I, uh, again this was uh, it's funny when you when you when I hear that it makes me think about again I've talked about a lot of football it makes me think about how things were on the field and it makes me think about how much I've been able to take that environment and bringing it in here into this 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 world and and uh, it's just doesn't it's done nothing but wonders and I can't wait to fix all the other things like you know the management stuff and diving with PCs and interviews and training and once I really start to bring that stuff up with as long as holding this care and passion I you know when it comes to opportunities and things that I'm accomplishing in the future I think it's endless. Yeah. You referenced your longtime friend and uh right hand guy that helped you throughout this whole process, uh Adam, right? Can can you tell us a little bit about uh the role he played here? Yeah, uh I could go on for a very long time about Adam. Adam is someone who... I'm not on this podcast right now, if it's not for Adam. I did not have the organization or the year or the success that I did without having someone like Adam. Right? Adam is someone who I believe was just as bought into everything that I wanted to do this year as I was. And he's someone who I can genuinely call a brother. Uh, he's someone who has fought so hard, both personally and professionally. It's like I... I was like getting emotional just talking about him. He's fought so hard for the people on this team, for himself, his own family. It's absolutely amazing to see the the man that he's turned into in the whole process. And and you know, 
when we found out the news that you know that we'd won and and just everything we put in and we just sat there that night and just talked for hours and i, I and one of the things that i always hear him saying in my mind is you know a lot of people work a lot and they complain about what they do but i genuinely just love what we do and he goes i can't believe that we get to have this impact on these people and, and these people genuinely like look up to us and he goes i can't believe that we're able to do this Especially at a time like this in, in, in this world, and, and we just have these conversations all the time. And and he's someone who our communication level is always at a ten. He's someone who's mastered his craft in selling. He added so much on the business with selling, also in interviews. And he's just he's always been so bought in. He's been such an inspiration in this organization. And you know, I believe that whenever you want to have the success that I was able to have this year, you can't do that without having someone like Adam Mimran around to be there to support. And to love on people, and and even my times when I had struggles this year, because of how much I was able to pour into Adam, he was then able to be there for me. And you know that that duo right there, as said, there's no better in the entire country. So uh, I think that that proved itself this year for sure. Yeah, well, that's that's nice praise, and I hope we get to see Adam have his own experience of being a branch or district manager and uh, building a team. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. Oh man. I, yeah. I I dream about that. So what's next for you, Ben, in 2021 and beyond? 2021, this year, I'm going after my first million dollar year. I'm uh, going after $1.25 million this year. Um, going after something that's very, very big. Yes, I love the numbers. Going after some big time things. This year for me, uh, I've saved up all the money that I needed for school. I, I just about two and a half months ago, I, I saved up enough money in the bank to where I won't ever have to graduate with a penny worth of debt. And that's amazing to say, and I'm, I have a lot of gratitude for being able to say that. But that also means to me that nothing anymore is about money. Right? I have enough money that I need for the next you know, little while. And this year is all about taking what I did last year to the next level. When I talked about to Brandon Brown, is taking everything that I was able to learn in 2020, everything I learned, everything I went through, all my experiences, my downfalls, my highs, taking everything from 2020, bringing it into 2021, and only making it a better version of who I am and, and impacting double the amount of people uh, that I was able to do this last year. And, and in a way where you know, we create a, just a certain type of culture that, that, that's going to be talked about forever. And I, I think that me bringing this passion and this drive and this culture and this mindset in with my people, they're already starting to buy around. And now I'm going into a new year with a team of about you know, 30 to 40 people who have the same common goal as I do. And they're all starting to grow so much personally, professionally. And my goal this year is to help every single person on my team do something this year that they didn't know was possible in them. Because that's one of the greatest things that I'm most thankful for with this company and everything that we're about is, is that it was helped me to figure out that I was wrong about myself. And I think that everyone on this planet deserves to have that feeling. And I believe it's my duty as a manager this year to help bring that to as many people as I can. And also on the flip side, that's just why I love what I do. And I wake up every day with a smile on my face ready to get going because of that right there. So that's my goal for this year is, is yes, to go after big time numbers, but more importantly, uh, to change a lot of people's lives. Well, you're revolutionizing uh, the business here in the Western region and throughout the company. You're an inspiration to everybody here in our entire organization. And it's really uplifting our, our whole team. So you know, I, I appreciate your leadership in that way. How about uh, in the longer term, Ben, as you look you know, farther into the future, what are some of the ways that you would aspire to change people's lives through your influence? Uh, I believe that I've been given gifts. I believe that I've been put on this planet for a certain reason. 
And I believe that I'm supposed to bring a lot of happiness to a lot of people. And I believe that I've been given something that not a lot of people have. But there's a reason why I've been given that. And I, I think that I've found my place here in this world to be able to give that out to as many people as possible. And I, I think that diving in with this year and, and figuring out more and mastering my craft uh, to get to the point where I can do that as authentically and genuinely as I can with as many people as possible, I think that's that's my goal. And, and going into the future, I think building this business, building, you know, they always talk about building a division in your district is something that I'm planning on doing and planning on building this division of of passion division uh, where, where, where we stand for the dream team that's the name of our team it stands for dedication responsibility environment attitude and motivation and i think these next years long term i've talked about with kevin i've talked about you know even my my sales manager adam and i talked about my my old district manager and a lot of people here in vector that i'm where i need to be i'm exactly where i need to be and for who i am as a person what i'm trying to do with my life that this is exactly where i want to be and i, I think that giving more out to myself uh, throughout the next couple of years is something that I'm super, super excited to do. And uh, I'm just excited to see who comes to my doors and gets to experience all of this. Yeah, well, I am equally excited to see what you're able to do within our organization, Ben. It's, uh, it's fun to have you on the team. It's inspiring. And the, the future is going to be incredibly bright. I'm really happy to have a front row seat to be able to see all of your success. Uh, and I'm really grateful that uh, you've made time for the podcast and shared some insights with our audience here today. Thanks a lot. Of course. Well, hey, Dan, uh, this all started with you, man. And I, I got to say that I love this company. I love everything that we're about. And a lot of that starts with you. And uh, I can't I can't tell you, I can't thank you enough for how much of an inspiration you've been to me, myself and my organization and just you know a lot of people in general. And hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to do what you're doing. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Of course, Dan. Ben Lee, everybody. I love working with that young guy. What an amazing individual uh, he already is and is continuing to become and evolve into. Uh, here's a guy who was part of two state championship football teams, had a 16K fast start, number one rep, trained in 2019. Just this great success building in his young life. And then he said, you are who you see yourself to be, right? He was always a champion in the things that he did. But then, right, football, his football dreams kind of ended and he was looking for that next place to, to be that champion. And Vector provided him with that opportunity to be that champion that he saw himself being. He described how he wants it more than others. And, you know, I really like to encourage people, if you can just know what it's like to be a champion, to be the best at what you're doing, your motivation, your inspiration to achieve at a high level can be really, really great if you can just evolve in that way. Ben described the idea that he wasn't more skilled than most people, but that he was able to communicate his care to people. He wasn't the best manager technically in the technical aspects of the vector business, but he was great at working with people. And that's a trait that anybody can bring to what they're doing, right? I describe the ways that you show that care through time and interest and giving value to other people. I love the napkin talk that Kevin Donahue had with Ben. It's such a great instructive concept for all leaders. I love the question Brandon Brown asked Ben 
about are you reflecting on what you learned in the past year? Are you gathering up those lessons so that you can invest them into this coming year and into your future? Ben Lee is obviously a guy with an incredibly bright future. Oh, we forgot to mention this. He just had a birthday here in January of 2021. Ben Lee just turned 20 years old. Take that, let it inspire you, get fired up about what's possible for you in what you're doing, whether it's in Vector or out. I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks a lot for supporting the podcast, everyone. I want to thank Silver Cup Cutco alum Colton Horn and his team at BrainFuel for sponsoring this episode. BrainFuel is a new cerebral beverage that's scientifically derived from coffees, teas, collagens, and antioxidants. It's not an energy drink, but instead, it's a great-tasting lifestyle beverage for top performers like the listeners of this podcast. It takes a molecule that we've known for centuries, caffeine, and revolutionizes the way our brain interacts with it. I can tell you from personal experience that I felt the effects of this product right from the very first time I tried it, and it's astounding. Brain fuel prolongs mental focus, sharpens alertness and decision-making, and protects your brain from burnout. Brain fuel is spelled uniquely because it is unique. It's B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L. Go to brainfuel.com to check it out, and if you use the code CLSK when you check out, you'll get 35% off your first order. You can also find this and other offers by visiting changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 